Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of Points and Penalties. Please subscribe where you, wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Josh, and with me are my co-hosts, Jesse, Peter, Kevin, and we have a guest host, Graham. Kevin, what are you drinking tonight? I'm having myself a Royal City Double. It's uh, craft brewed, 7.5%. Ooh, strong one. Ooh. Peter, what are you drinking today? Thanks, Kev. I'm drinking a Collective Arts Brewing. Uh, it's called Life in the Clouds, and it is a 6.1% strong beer. I thought I was going to take the cake, but you uh, blew me out of the water a little bit. Yeah. Son of a bitch. It's okay. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe. We'll see what happens. Jesse, what are you drinking? Drink another Grey Matter Brewing Company out in Kincardine. It's called Age of Industry. It's a stout. And it's even less than yours, Peter. So you got me here finally. 5.5%. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, what are you drinking? I got a Huron County Lager Shindig from Cowbell Brewing. It's about 15 minutes away from my house. Yeah. So it's only 4.2%, but it's down smooth. And Bitch. I have a bunch of them. He's got to look after the kids today, probably. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Yosh, what are you drinking? Today, gents, I got a beer from Hop City Brewing. It's called Barking Squirrel. You probably have had it. It's pretty damn good. I like it. I like it. It's hoppy, but it's uh, it's nice. So, gents, not quite as uh, nice of a day today as it was last Sunday, which makes for a better day to podcast because it's not sunny and you don't wish you were outside. At least here in Kitchener. Yeah, speak for yourself. It's a beautiful sunny day where I am. Windy as balls out here in Stratford. Yeah, it's pretty windy here too. Anyway, boys, today I want to start off like uh, we have the last few weeks with our Blue Jays update. Our boys are 500 on the week so far. They've split a two-game series with Boston, and uh, before today, they've split two games with Tampa. They do play and are playing right now versus Tampa, so hopefully we can get a W to uh, push us up over 500 for the week. Currently tied in third place in the AL East with the Yanks. Three games back of Boston still. A win today versus Tampa. We keep the Jays in third, but moving within a half game of Tampa, which is a whole lot better than not being a half a game within Tampa. Anything we can do to keep to the top end of the of the standings. Still got a bunch of injuries. Well, the boys are coming back. Some of the bullpen is starting to to, uh, to get back. We saw Jordan Romano yesterday pitched. David Phelps, I believe, is back. Pretty sure that was his name. <laughs> Swimmer, baseball player. Same difference, right? So we still got a couple guys off. We're all waiting for these damn Springer dingers. Hopefully we'll get them soon. Uh, initial talks were that he was going to make his debut today versus Tampa, but that has since been squashed. We are hoping they're off tomorrow. So my guess, I'm hoping Tuesday we'll see him. Uh, I'm If I find out a little bit more information today, I might toss him in my fantasy lineup and I'm going to take a chance. I figure he's going to be back this week regardless. So see what I can do for my fantasy team. Teoscar Hernandez has been cleared from COVID protocols and they are just giving him a few days to get back into game shape, likely uh, out of the alternate training site there. So he can get back up and get his cardio up and so on and so forth. As we've seen in many of the leagues, uh, when a player comes back from COVID, he's uh, or a team in the case of the Vancouver Canucks, they aren't all there from a cardio standpoint, they can still beat the Leafs, but they aren't all there from from a cardio standpoint. So give him a couple days to, to get going so he can run the bases. 
which would be nice because we need both of those bats. The, the Jays are still, you know, they're hitting all right. They're not playing great, great, uh, except for maybe, you know, a handful of guys. You got Kritchik is playing pretty well right now. And uh, over the last few weeks, our boy Vlad's been lighting it up. But uh, any addition to the offense will be a good addition and we'll be happy to see it. Yeah, the pitching's been pretty good, though. Oh, definitely. With all these uh, with all these injuries, the guys yeah. have come uh, come up to play and and are uh, definitely filling in those spots nicely. Yeah, so that that's a good thing because that was the biggest uh, issue I think we would ha- we had coming in this season. We knew our offense was going to be there, but you know, with all the injuries and stuff like that, but the pitching has been phenomenal, and they're just putting whoever in there and doing pretty good. SDRA in ball right now? I don't know. Quite the statement. No, I don't know. I. I think it's an actual thing. They have the best ERA in, uh, I think you do the AL or MLB. Really? I did not see that. Yeah. That's crazy. Is that the entire ro- like rotation and bullpen or just the pen? Yeah. Like the, t- the team ERA is like 3.13 or something. And I think it might be the best in the league as of like a couple of days ago anyways. But huh. Well, that's pretty freaking good. I had no idea that they were pitching that well. I mean, we know we've got Mats and Rob DeRay are playing well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Rye is doing, he's doing all right. He's not, doing as well as I think we all would have thought, but he had a bump this week. Yeah. That was, that, that was, that's really all. I'm not worried about right. He's at been all. pretty just, good. Uh, and so last week we talked about some injuries uh, as well. So we talked about Merriweather and we talked about Pearson. These guys were uh, officially placed on the 10 day IL on the 22nd of April. Atkins said that Merriweather will be shut down for a couple weeks. So that's not great for, you know, potentially the closer, I guess now that Romano's back, uh, it takes a little bit of pressure off that, that standpoint. Got uh, Pearson again. So he was out with a groin. He's still, he threw two to three innings in an inner squad game on Friday. And it's, you know, by the time his 10 days is up, my guess, I'm going to say he's back early May, hopefully. Anytime we can get him back, that'd be sweet. But like you said, Jess and Graham too, we're pitching well. So we might give him a little bit extra time to, uh, to heal up and make sure that that groin's hundred percent before tossing them in there as a, as a fifth rotation guy or, or what have you. Yeah. So I just checked in Graham. They aren't the number one in MLB, but they are in AL. AL. Okay. Yes. So they got the Padres, uh, Dodgers and the Giants in front of them. Okay. But so they yeah. are the number one in AL. Should have challenged. Should have. Yeah. Why? Uh, that's what he said. That's what he said. I, I was thinking of throwing out a challenge just for fun. Throwing yeah. out the Red Sox or something, but I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> Ross Stripling was put on the 10-day IL on the 22nd for his forearm. And then a couple days earlier on the on April 20th, TJ Zook was put on 10-day with a shoulder injury. So hopefully we see these guys, you know, all kind of early May get back to together. Uh, same deal, if not earlier, for the position players. And hopefully kind of early May we can have a healthy lineup and uh, – you know, do even better. Maybe try and push for the Red Sox for that number one spot. But uh, we'll have to see how things shake out, as they say. Be yeah. tough to grab in front of uh, Boston. They are just tearing it up right now, especially sure. hitting wise and everything like that. And like I, I know I was trashing them, saying that they are going to fall down, but they haven't. And it's the key will be to win the games against Boston, right? That's that's how you're going to jump up big time on them. So for sure. And I've noticed that the Rays are starting to heat up, and obviously the Yankees will eventually the only prediction that's coming true though guys is mine so we'll just leave it at that i'll have you know the only one in good shape with the prediction is me with the dodgers this is true but 
uh, we nobody would be upset, Kev, if your if your prediction came true. I think we would all love to see them lift that championship trophy again. That would be that would be pretty damn sweet. All I care is that Josh isn't right. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe you took them and what they're nine and eleven right now. Fucking Yankees. Yeah, they're just as fucking shitty as the fucking Jays, bud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we have an equal amount of chance right now to win the, <laughs> the World Series. <laughs> Now, a team that if it were to end right now, it would be a scary, scary team. It would be the Oakland Athletics. They're on a 13-game winning streak after starting the season 0-6. They have now since taken over the lead in the AL West over Seattle and have a record of 14-7. and Pretty damn good. Been lighting it up. Lots of home runs. Uh, Mark Conha, guy on my fantasy team, got to love it. He's been tearing it up, and uh, it's been solidifying my outfield since George Springer isn't playing, so I got no complaints there. But uh, you got Sean Murphy, you got Olsen, Chapman. These guys are all playing well. Uh, Loriano, Lazardo's pitching well. And uh, Oakland is looking pretty good. I know it's still early, so who knows? You know, lots of stuff can happen. But the way that things are going, they're looking pretty good. Kind of reminds me of what uh, the Moneyball. Yep. <laughs> when, they, when they started that run. like they, 100%. It's just, it's just crazy. 13 games already. That's wild. Yep. So this 13 games is the third longest streak in athletics history. Second longest was 14 wins in 1988. So they obviously have a chance to equal that and potentially better it. And in 2002, the A's had 20 straight wins, which at the time was, uh, they set an AL record. But uh, in 2017, the Cleveland Indians had beat that record and went to 22. So this is the longest streak since Cleveland's streak of 22. And we'll see how long they can go. I'm not sure uh, who they're playing. And then this week, either way, they're playing well. They're hitting bombs. They're pitching well for the most part. And uh, we'll see what happens. Do you guys think they can, uh, they can eclipse either the 20 or the 22? Nope. I don't think so either. Nope. That's a lot yeah, of wins. That is a lot of wins. going to be tough. They'll probably have to play Houston in that time. And Houston, Houston's been pretty good. So also Seattle's in their division too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Seattle's only one game or half a game back, so they're they're not far behind. Yeah, and they're not supposed to be good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it, it's weird. It's been a weird start to the season, I find. Yeah, it's still way early. So it, it's a long season. So and that's why I still have hope that Boston's gonna fall apart. We can only hope. So basically, uh, 19 times out of the year here, we're going to see a World Series quality game in the San Diego Padres and the LA Dodgers this weekend has been great for that for a great competition. So April 23rd, 1999. I know it's way back there. Some of you listeners may not have even been born. I mean, there's a good chance you were, but maybe you weren't. And so Fernando Tati senior hit two grand slams in one inning versus the unbelievable. Dodgers. That's, That's unbelievable. For a guy that we thought was going to need surgery. No, this is his dad. Challenge his dad. No, no, this is his dad. Challenge yep. his dad. Yep. I yes. said that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Peter and I got jumped so on that is... like white on rice. <laughs> so this was Tati Sr. that hit two grandies in, in an inning. Uh, and then just, just the other day, on April 23rd, 2021, Tati's Jr. hits two home runs in the same game on the 22nd anniversary of his father hitting those two grand slams. So basically April 23rd is unofficially Fernando Tatis day at Dodger stadium. 
I'm sure Dodger fans aren't going to like that, Peter. You probably don't like that for your prediction. Oh, I don't mind. As long as it doesn't happen in the World Series, you know. Fair enough. And then uh, Tatis Jr. just decided to keep on hitting bombs the next day, April 24th, which was yesterday, Saturday. He hit two more home runs at Dodger Stadium. They didn't end up still losing that game. But like you said, Jess, after a guy that we thought was going to need surgery and was pretty much, we thought, potentially done for the season, he has been tearing it up since coming back and has showed no effects of, of that uh, few days off with injury or 10 days, whatever it was. It's almost like he's worth that. Whatever he got, 160 million, fucking however much he got. Yeah, 340. 300. <laughs> 340. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That much. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he is worth all that money after this. And I, so I was watching a little video and they had spliced together the one of the grand slams and one of Tatis's home runs from uh from the, the same day the 23rd there and the swings are identical they pop one in and pull one out and switch them up throughout the swing and it's completely it's exactly the same exactly the you same can swing. tell daddy taught him absolutely on the 24th so yesterday when tatis hit one of his home runs i believe this is the first one in the third inning he was running around the bases of course he likes to celebrate so he was running around the bases and as he was rounding second base he covered his eye as a chirp to the pitcher, Trevor Bauer, who he just hit it off of, who re- reportedly earlier in the season or in spring training, sorry, he had pitched against the Padres with one eye closed as a, you know, just to make him that much better or think he's that much better. So Tatis covered up his eye as a little chirp. Bauer didn't initially see it as it was going on, but I guess during the second home run, he had saw players in the Padres dugout all covering up their eyes. It was obviously a big chirp towards yeah. Bauer. And uh, so Bauer said in response to the celebrations, he said he likes it. He said he thinks that pitchers who have done that uh, and react by throwing at the people or getting upset and decide, you know, so they do want to hit somebody, maybe like last week's uh, Wilson Contreras and uh, (laughs) David Ross. (laughs) But he thinks that if you do that, you're soft. He's like, he said, if you give up a homer, the guy should celebrate it because it's hard to hit in the big leagues. And I agree with that. I, I, as a pitcher, yeah, it sucks when a guy hits a bomb off your, you know, a good hit, whatever. But it is a hard, hard thing to do to get hits, good hits and home runs in, in the pros. So why not? Why shouldn't they celebrate? So he said he's all for it and he thinks that it's important. Yeah, I love it. Some people don't like this celebration, but. I mean, as long as you're not like bat flipping, like whipping it, and you know, like. Batista. No, I'm all right with but that Tatis, one because that one was a but, pretty, pretty big was, home run. Like that was epic. But, uh, Tatis did it. Did do a bat, uh, bat flip this, uh, this weekend after his home run. Yeah, and, and and he's fine with that. Like I said, Bauer said he was fine with it, and they should celebrate. And so he's on board with it. Has no problems. And uh, as he says that uh, it's important, and he hopes the game moves forward in that respect. And which we all know that's the old old boys club, right? So they. Some of the older guys might not like that, but I think that's the way that it's going. And and uh, there should be some more celebration and whatnot. I like it. And apparently so does uh, Trevor Bauer. Right. And that's huge for a pitcher of his caliber because he's like the most, I think he's the most expensive uh, starting pitcher in the MLB this year to say that, to say, go 100%. ahead, celebrate. Yep. And that's what baseball has been waiting for to catch up to the rest of the sports and celebrating after huge, a huge game or a huge play or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, right. just, I just, I just gonna, just because I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to say Garrett Cole is the most, most paid. The highest paid. 
Are we going by year or are we going by? Uh, we said this year, right? You this said this year. year. Yeah, that's okay. what you said. Yep. I have no idea. I know Gary Cole's up there, but I have no idea. I just, why not? Right? Why not? Why not? Everybody, everybody loves a challenge. <laughs> I, I think so, man. Total, total value. Hang on. Hang on. Go ahead, Graham. Yeah, this year, yeah. Yeah, Jared Cole, on his average amount of pitches he does, he gets paid $10,000 per pitch. Okay, well, we're not talking about per pitch, but that's fucking I know, crazy. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless he has a bad outing and throws like 120 pitches or something. or So you're right, Josh. $36 million a year for nice. 2021. And I was Trevor Bowers, 31.33333. Repeater. <laughs> 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 Sweet, that was just a shot in the dark there. I wasn't sure about that, but boy, rough day, Jesse. Rough day. <laughs> well, do I get that one for Tatis? Yeah, you can take the penalty there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about for the th- 340 million that you I challenged you about. No, you didn't challenge me. You just I corrected said challenge. me. Yeah, he, he did, did say challenge. Oh, uh, did he? Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't hear a challenge. Yeah, yeah, he did. I didn't hear but is it 340? Is that what the actual number is? Because we got to let I don't know up. if that's a good question. <laughs> we better look this up. <laughs> okay, so, so can somebody look that up and I'll keep going here? Yeah, I got it. 330. 330? Oh, so we both are wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you fucker. It's all right. We'll, we'll both take a minus. Okay. Well, you're even it's right now, Peter. You're even. <laughs> All right, boys. So Corbin Burns, we talked about him uh, last week. He was the first pitcher in 120 years to have 30 strikeouts to start a season without a walk, without a walk. Right. And so now he is the first pitcher to have 40 Ks without a walk over any four game span, which is equally as crazy as last week. The, the last pitcher that came close to that was Adam Wainwright. And he had 35 Ks in 2013 before he issued a pass. Uh, there's been a few others. Kenley Jansen had 51 strikeouts without issuing a walk in 2017. Again, he's a relief pitcher. So that was definitely more than over a four game span. But just that in itself is a crazy stat. 51. That's impressive. Yeah. So good on uh, Corbin Burns. This guy has been lights out. Last week I said that uh, DeGrom was probably pitching better and he is still pitching phenomenal, but I'm leaning towards Corbin right now to being uh, who's the best pitcher right now, or at least pitching the best. He might, Corbin Burns might not be a better pitcher than DeGrom, but he's pitching the best right now, in my opinion. And I'm pretty sure I got a couple of this guy's rookie cards that are just in a random box. I might have to go dig them out right now. Yeah, get them into some protection. They might be worth some money. <laughs> so a few other guys that had a lot of strikeouts and no walks. Again, I said Kenley Jansen at 51. Corbin Birds had 40. Adam Wainwright, as I had mentioned, 35 Ks without a walk. And then uh, 31 for Syndergaard. And then 30 for Doolittle, Wagner, and Eckersley, all of which are relief pitchers. Fucking Eckersley. <laughs> Eckersley and Eckersley when he was with the A's, not the Red yeah. Sox. Yeah, I understand. Why, why don't you like Eckersley, man? He was a great pitcher. Yeah, well, I mean, I just think his cockiness, and but when uh, you know Alomar brought it to him, oh, you know, he's pretty decent. It was better than decent, yeah, man. He fucking hit a bomb, yeah, buddy, to win the fucking ALCS. 
Kev, I hope your fucking, I hope your prediction comes <laughs> right, man. I, I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate. Well, who knows? You might be able to celebrate the least with the cup this year. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Back-to-back championships. So, speaking of the least, not a great week. Not terrible. Two one-on-one over the week. They started the week playing the Canucks, coming fresh off of a serious boat with COVID-19, which I, of course, said in our last episode that they should definitely win those games, but they might be a bit of a trap game. And lo and behold, they lose, managed to lose both games against the Canucks, second-last team in the division. Uh, one in overtime, uh, one in regulation. They played okay. They just didn't manage to pull up the Ws in those games. Then they played back-to-back against the Jets uh, later on in the week. And they managed to beat the second-place Jets both times. Decisively. Yeah. In typical Leafy fashion, they are uh, playing to their competition a little bit. Well, that's okay. So last night's game, and a bit the game before against the Jets, got a little bit chippy. <laughs> and there's a question floating around. Are the Leafs a dirty team? I wanted to ask you boys, do you think the Leafs are a dirty team? I don't watch enough to say whether they do or they don't, but I did watch a little of the game. I saw last night there, I saw Thornton and Ehlers get into it a bit, but what I saw Thornton, I mean, he cross-checked and broke his stick, but I don't think that that was necessarily dirty. It was just a standard old cross-check. That was kind of it. And he went and grabbed another stick and carried on. They, they jotted each other a little bit more. But in that instance, I don't think that was dirty. And again, I don't really, I haven't seen anything dirty. And especially when you have a guy like, like Simmons on your team, I feel like he would be the guy to say, Hey boys, there's not, you don't need any of that dirty shit. You know, no slew foots or shit like that. You know, cheap shots. I think he would be the first guy to say, nobody fucking do that play hard and I'll beat the shit out of whoever you guys need me to beat the shit out of. And so my opinion, I'm going to say no, although I definitely don't watch as much as you guys do. I'm going to say no as well. And the reasons why I say no is that how can you guys, uh, other teams now saying, or them just saying that uh, they're dirty if they got muscle now, they get, they got, they got team grit. I mean, they picked up Simmons. I mean, like no one's going to sit there and run your goalie anymore. I don't give a fuck who you are and how can, you know, they consider them dirty if we've now become a physical team. I mean, Toronto before was never that physical. Now they're getting pretty physical and, Teams are about to sit there and see that we are going to take some body and we're going to hit you and you're going to hit you hard. So how dirty is that's not dirty in my mind. No, I've watched uh, pretty much every single game. I missed some periods here and there, but um, no, they're definitely not dirty. They're one of the least penalized teams in the league. And they, um, they got Simmons, they got Bogosian, um, they picked up Felino. just, you know, those guys with grit. Obviously I didn't think Joe Thornton was as, uh, as feisty as he was, but he's been lighting it up, you know, a little fire. You get ornery in your old age, man. You get ornery in your old age. (laughs) But he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Well, you know, but like those plays that might sneak by the ref that were intent to injure kind of thing, or, you know, like hacking at the goalie when the puck's clearly frozen, like that's kind of, that's the dirty shit that people don't like. And Simmons is there to, to stop it. And like, as far as everything else goes, like this team, this they they check hard when they need to, they dance around you when they need when they want to. You know, it's a it's a solid team. They're not a dirty team, not even a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you, boys. So I think the two the two plays that spurred the dirty question 
Um, there was a hit by Galchenyuk on. That was a clean hit, man. Fuck that. The guy just stood right into his asshole. Yeah, it went maybe a little bit high. I think knocked Lowry out. And there was a hit by Thornton on I forget who. But again, it ran a little bit high. I don't think either of them were very intentional. He got a fine for that one. Thornton did. Yeah. Mm, 7,000? No, 3,000. 5,000 is the max. I know. I was just, fuck, I was just going to say. Should have challenged that. Um, so yeah, I don't think they're there. I think they're just playing physical. I think the Jets are being uh, whiny little bitches a little bit, just because they're getting pushed back on. And uh, and I think the reason Thornton was going after Ehlers seriously last night was because he felt that he Ehlers dove when Thornton uh, contacted him on a play earlier in the game. And I think that's that's what that was all about. He was fucking giving it to him for diving. And they took so another player on the Jets took a penalty in the game for diving as well for embellishment. So yeah, I think that's what that was about, uh, and I agree. I don't think they're a dirty team. Maybe the question shouldn't be are the Leafs dirty, but are the Jets a slimy team that are you know that are diving and trying to make penalties that aren't penalties? You know, and that's why I'm happy they made that rule up, man. If you're sitting there diving, you should damn well get a penalty. I mean, back when they didn't. So uh, kudos to that. Embellishment rarely gets called rarely but it happens and they do they do do it it does but like like i don't i don't remember seeing the embellishment called but like it rarely gets called i can't remember the last one yeah there was if it is it's always a uh it's always a matching penalty with the other guy like Which makes always, zero sense they'll always give the guy the penalty for whatever yeah. it is and give the other guy the call for embellishment at the same time so but how can you give how can you give me a penalty for a slash and then when you flop like, which one is it? Is it the flop or is it a slash? That's the dumbest thing. No, no, I, I disagree. I get that it's both because it's like you can slash somebody and you slash them. It's a penalty. And then they flop like a fish when you do it to try and draw a call. That's also shit. And that's a penalty. I get that it's both. Yeah. Like, Josh, if I go to slash you and you like flop like crazy, well, the slash had to happen first for you to flop like crazy afterwards sometimes sometimes it doesn't i was gonna say i don't want to see hockey turning into the foosball man you touch him he drops and flops around like an idiot i believe that that there is a a foul in soccer for if you deliberately fall down but they never call it no they never call it the game would be like 16 hours long Everybody get red carded. Two players left. Two two yellow cards right away. (laughs) It's like that one Simpsons one where the guy is like, and he holds it. He holds it. He holds it. (laughs) Okay. So, Joe Thornton scored last night. He becomes the oldest Leaf in team history to ever score a goal at 41 years and 296 days young. I think, man, it's, it's... it's the kids, man. It's the kids that keep his youth. I swear to God. I mean, you're, you're playing against, like, you know, or with young guys. I mean, you're going to have to sit there and keep up with them, or... Is that what keeps you young, Kev? Yeah, man. <laughs> that, that, and my, that and my own kids, for crying out loud. I hear that. Yeah, so that's, that's a cool stat to have. The nice little trivia question. The oldest lead to ever score. Joe Thornton. Nick Foligno made his debut on the series against the Jets. He got an assist in both games. Uh, I thought he was going to score in his first game. He had that. He had. Uh, he had an empty net, 
but he couldn't quite get into a shooting position. He made a nice pass to Mitch, who had a it's a veteran move right there. Yeah, selfless. selfless. Now it's... I know I know he's already done the the leap. I know he did the daddy leap. Will he do it again if he scores because he's wearing daddy's number? He, I think he did it when he scored his first NHL goal for yes. Buffalo, I believe. Yes, and Daddy yeah, was he in the did building the, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, or Daddy he did the, Daddy the jumping. But I'm just saying, will he do it again? Well, he's in the Leaf jersey with his dad's number now, though. What if it was Fuck, like mine as well? Yeah, what if it was like in the playoffs and you know overtime winner? He definitely will. Did you see in one of his uh, press conferences recently? He was wearing like a 1990 vintage hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin's like, I had that hat. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually might have had that hat. That's, that's my newest player. <laughs> yeah, so Toledo is looking good. I like, I think it's a good acquisition. We'll, uh, Great acquisition. Be good going into the playoffs with him. And I think he might stay where he is. On I was going to say, is, they, is this just still a rental or are they going to keep him? No, he's a rental for sure. They can't afford him going forward. Depends if he wins a cup or not. I don't think it does. I would love to see them win the cup with him and see him be an integral part of that. But whether he is or isn't, I don't think he's signing back. I don't think there's money there for that. Do you think that they're going to bring back any of these fucking old men? No. Uh, yeah. If they all sign at the same deal. Yeah. Uh, if they win a cup, I can't see Spezza or Thornton coming back. No, they're done. They think yeah. they retire? They may retire. That's one of the reasons yeah. why Thornton went to Toronto was because of Spezza. Right. And like Simmons, I could see coming back because yeah. um, he's only like he's in his thirties. So we need that muscle still. If you get rid of that, then we're back to where we are before, just a team that skates around people and doesn't take the body. Yeah, yeah. The problem with Toronto lately, well, not lately, but in years past, has been no one wants to sign here because of yeah, whatever. But I think Matthews, Marner, Nylander, I'll change that to be like this is a great city and a great team to play for. And so those veteran guys that maybe tail end of their careers or looking for a new deal might not want to sign for, you know, four or five million. And when they go sign for one or two and do it with Toronto because they have like the team is good around them. Right. Because before they were, they were terrible, but now players want to go there. Players want to sign there. You know, it's a great city to live in Peter. Um, so, you know, it is. Be nice when COVID nineteen goes away. See, I think that would that but city yeah, would be enough. like where a lot of free agents want to sign. They're like the the Yankees, except yeah, you're right. They didn't they didn't they didn't win a lot, but they're still the Yankees of the NHL. The Rangers are kind of like the Yankees as well. I know it's the same city that um, where free agents like to go there, but um, Toronto is kind of like the second most valuable team in the league. So yeah, I, I would think the only major reason why players wouldn't necessarily want to come here is because of the taxes and the, you know, the dollar and whatnot. Sure. You still get paid an equivalent to the U S but there is still all that extra taxes. Just like if you're, you know, depends on where you play in the U S so the tax margin is likely larger here than it will be there. And the dollar is worth less. So I would think that that is, is a contributing factor, but other than that, it's gotta be one of the most, um, teams that you want to play for because of the history and, and that type of thing. I would so. say any original six, any original six team would be one of those players. Like, I, I mean, I personally would play for any of the original six. But I mean, that would be my focus. The taxes and everything like that in New York. Yeah. They and have huge taxes too. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. But we do see that, like, especially in basketball, it's a big issue. The dollar and the taxes are a big issue for players wanting to come Same here. Same thing in NFL and everything like that. Like, the cities that have large taxes and stuff like that have to pay more for free agents. And so, like, but it's also usually a better city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then why, why wouldn't they all <laughs> yeah, jump on Florida then? Florida doesn't have taxes. Tampa Bay just won the, the NFL and look who Boston they all signed. Are shit. Hey. Yeah. NHL. And, and NHL. Okay, maybe but they're you, not but, shit. You shouldn't challenge me. <laughs> they're not shit. They've won twice. <laughs> but you have to deal with the Gators. That's the problem. Uh, yeah. And oh, the Florida man. Trade that for He's there. Son and He's always there. Taxes. <laughs> I probably would, but not everybody would. And spring, <laughs> spring break in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, another um, potential downside to playing in Toronto. There's a very real negative media aspect to playing in this city in the NHL. Like it's, I think it's probably the most uh, media heavy city in the NHL in terms of NHL coverage. And there's, it's not, it's not for every player. Like there's no Toronto's pushed out some players before because of that. I mean, I mean, it's just as bad as Montreal. I mean, as much as, you know, it's just those, those, Hockey teams that are just, they want you to play well every game. If you don't, they want you to fuck out. Well, and they're always looking for storylines and negativity always sells better than positivity, unfortunately. Which is how this topic started, our Leafs dirty team. That's probably media driven Yeah. Uh, shit. So like stuff like that, where players have to answer questions to questions that don't really aren't a thing, right? Yeah. And it can be tough. Some players just aren't, aren't built for it. You're better off playing in fucking Minnesota somewhere or something Phil, where there's Phil Kessel. Not. Exactly. Phil Kessel plays better when it's uh, less uh, media. Of course, he's not being scrutinized how many fucking hot dogs he eats. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Yeah. All right. A couple of these injuries uh, over the week. Hyman got injured on a knee and knee hit with Edler on the Canucks. So he is out. I think he's out for a couple of weeks with a strained MCL. And Bogosian went in tough into the boards. Uh, he fell sort of on his own, but he went into the boards hard. It was surprising to see him get right back up after that. And it's weird that it's a upper body injury. It looked like his legs uh, were pretzeled under him, if that's a term. But so he's out for a bit. Uh, Rasmus Sandin has stepped in in his absence and has uh, he's looked really good. He's looked confident. He's looked taking the body. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Him. Yeah, smooth. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, one, if everyone's healthy, what the playoff lineup, starting lineup is going to be. Because honestly, I don't know. If, if Bogosian and Sandine are both healthy, it's a tough call, which I might go Sandine. Although you'd like the extra grit and toughness that Bogosian can bring. But Well, I mean, Sandine's just going to have to pick up that um, that spot then, right? I mean, you're going to go play. You better take the body like him. Well, that would just mean Dermot's it. Yeah, maybe Dermot's it, so that's right. So it'll be interesting to see. So that's good. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, Hyman and Bogosian are both back and ready to go for the playoffs. And last piece of Leafs news, Jason Spezza has uh, led an effort for the higher-paid Maple Leafs on the team to pool their money together and put it towards some of the AHL players who are in tough financial situations right now. Uh, If you're not aware, the AHL has reduced salaries on their one-way contracts by 52% this year. 
and the minimum salary in the NHL or in the AHL going into before this cut was fifty one thousand U.S. dollars. So it's not it's not a millionaire's salary. They got to be uh, eligible for the Serb then. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. They uh, but they're still working, so I don't know if they would be. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Anyway, some some AHL players are having a tough time, I'm sure, with the financial aspects of this season because of the pandemic. And it sounds like the Leafs, led by Jason Spezza, are uh, sort of the. It sounds like they're making them whole with what their salary should have been. I don't know if we have all the details, but they're the Leafs are putting together a pool of money to help the AHL players on the Marlies that are impacted by this. Are the rest of the teams NHL teams doing this for their farm team? Probably not. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't know. They might be. This is we can't huge. say that they are and they're not. But they're they're helping out their uh, their AHL affiliate, which is good to see. Do you know what kind of dollar f- figure that is? Like between the twenty five guys, but it, it's not every guy, right? You said it's only the the one way contracts. Yeah. So what is that like? 10, 10 guys? Like, do we know what that is? I don't know. You can probably do the math and check. I haven't, but it's I don't know. It's I don't know what the figure is. It's probably somewhere in the, I'm going to say over a million dollars, but not too much more, probably. The average? That's a, no, 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 no. The no, total. total. Oh, and that, really, uh, that shouldn't be too much for the, the real boys in blue to, to come up with, right? Yeah, exactly. When you're making $11 million a year. Surprising that Spets is the guy that's leading it because he's not making a whole lot of he's money. He's probably leaning on Nylander, you little fucker. Start giving up some of your money. <laughs> <laughs> no, Spets has made a ton of money over his career. All of his career, career, yeah, of course. But I'm just talking now. I mean, hell, Nylander, you can afford it. Well, they're all millionaires; they can all afford it. Yeah. Well, that's that's great news that he's trying to help out. You know, the guys that are uh, up and comers and or you know uh, two way guys. This is a stand up Canadian man. That's all. Yeah, he's uh, again showing his leadership on this team, and uh, I'm glad he's here and wearing uh, Maple Leaf blue. Okay, let's move on off the lease on to uh, Robin Leonard and his comments over the week about his, or I guess the NHL players' restrictions and the COVID vaccine. So if you missed this, uh, Robin Leonard is, he used the word furious over the fact that essentially they were, teams were promised that if they were fully vaccinated, which many of them are, including Robin Leonard and his team, that the restrictions on their day-to-day life would be lessened. And he threw out there to the similar to what the NBA is doing. I don't know exactly what that means, but from what I understand right now, NHL players are essentially locked in their homes or their hotel rooms if they're on the road. They're not even allowed to go out and like buy groceries. They are fully, you shall stay home and no ifs, ands, or buts. So apparently they were promised that if they if they got the vaccine, that they would be given additional freedoms. And he's upset because the NHL is now saying that because it would be a competitive advantage to the teams that are fully vaccinated to have these additional freedoms and the other teams that don't, that they're not allowing anyone to have it. And he's pissed off because it's like they're putting a minor competitive advantage if it even is one over the mental health of the players that should be allowed to have additional freedoms and 
be able to do a few more things. He's not asking for to go to a, a rager and go lick stripper poles at a nightclub or any stupid shit. He just wants a little <laughs> bit of additional freedom. So yeah, he's pissed off because they're putting a competitive advantage over the mental health of the players in the league. Well, especially for Robin Leonard. I mean, like this guy just he needs it. He needs he needs that out because of his head. I mean, I watched I, I saw that. I saw his rant. I kind of agree with him. You guys said I can, and now you're telling me I can't. You're fucking with my head. Not right. I wouldn't even say it's a competitive advantage. I'd say if anything, it's a disadvantage, but you got a more on your mind by going out into the public. Now you can go to strip clubs and lick stripper poles. That's a hell of a fucking distraction. So. <laughs> <laughs> How many players do we know that are licking uh, stripper poles? Brad Marshall. Well, that was- <laughs> <laughs> I just never heard a whole lot of any players, any any athletes to begin with, say that they're doing this. Like I said, they're not asking to do that. <laughs> Seemed like you hinted that they were, bud. Or, or certain ones were. Like, are you seeing some of these players do it? Like, I can neither confirm nor deny these allegations. Peter's on the ground. <laughs> they're over at the Zanzibar. <laughs> uh, fuck. Okay. And last in the NHL, although it's not really NHL, the Women's Hockey Worlds have been postponed. They were scheduled to happen uh, early next month, early May, in Halifax and Truro. And unfortunately, one day after the province's chief medical officer okayed the tournament going ahead, the premier, uh, Ian Rankin, decided that it wasn't safe and decided to cancel the tournament for the time being. Um, so from what I've heard, it's been postponed till towards the end of the summer and probably will be in a different location, although we don't know where yet. Yes, yeah, that's what L.H. Freeman said, that it'll be end of the summer. It's probably somewhere in the States. Yeah. Well, he really fucked that up for, for his province and community then by, by canceling it. I mean, hey, it is what it is. If you've got to cancel, you got to cancel. I understand that, but that sucks for that uh, the tourism dollars in Nova Scotia and the whole East coast to, uh, relies on tourism dollars quite a bit. So, you know, that's a lot of people watching that tournament ideally in person, if, if possible. And, and maybe that's what they were thinking. They weren't going to be able to have in person. So how much revenue are they actually going to lose? I guess we won't know that, but uh, that sucks for the ladies there, but hopefully they will end up playing uh, later on, as you said. Yeah. I know all those ladies are uh, definitely upset, all the players that were hoping to be playing, and it's unfortunate. And I don't really understand why, if their chief medical officer says it's okay, that they wouldn't, the premier wouldn't uh, allow it. But yeah, I mean, it's okay to play the NHL in their, those, those cities, right? So what's the difference, really? Create a, create a bubble. So, like, why, why couldn't they? It's, uh, it's a sticky situation. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough for the ladies, but they, uh, I guess they're just looking out for their their own province and their own their own people, and uh, yeah, it sucks. It sucks all around. I think it has a lot to do with they probably don't have a lot of TV rights, so they think that not a lot of people are going to show up to the arena, like you were saying. So they just called it. They didn't think they were going to make a profit off it. Probably. I don't even think it was about money. I think it was just about safety. I agree with that. It was totally about safety. It had nothing to do about you know bringing people to the to the province. It had totally to be you know let's play safe politics so everything's usually about money yeah, usually but, but like i said i just i think it's about safety like the women are upset 
her, their voice and their opinions and rightfully so. But like I said, I don't think the women's worlds pulls in as much money, even as the men's worlds, because the men's worlds goes on the same time as the, uh, as the NHL playoffs. Right. So yeah, the women's world, I think is usually just before it. And again, they don't, they're not there for revenue. They're there to play the game, qualify for the Olympics and stuff like that. Like they're not, it's not about money. But that costs money to do that. Yeah, it costs money. And they're like, yeah, they're not going to be making it anything. But the IIHF is, you know, they have money. Like they can take a hit for a couple of years to, you know, let people still play. This week's Points and Penalties MVP is brought to you by MVP Brewing Company. Try the Game Changer. So, the MVP Brewing, our sponsor, uh, they are involved in a kickback program. It's called to give every child a chance to play and be the best MVP they can be. And MVP Brewing wants to make all sports more accessible and affordable by donating 5% of all sales towards community kids sports organizations. Uh, So that's wonderful that MVP Brewing is doing that great initiative great initiative for sure and we're glad to have them as the sponsor of our uh, mvp segment before you get into actually who the mvp is i haven't tried one of these bad boys so since it's the mvp here we go give it a whirl so this is called the game changer and it's pretty damn good just you're damn right it's uh i could Definitely see this on a Sunday morning baseball. Kind of like the team. the bush we used to drink on Sunday night. Baseball. Yeah, but that's but, it, that, that but, the, dirty. but this stuff's a little bit more uh, uh, has more flavor to it. I find it definitely does for sure. Does. I would definitely yeah. drink this at your baseball games, man. If we ever needed a you know a person to to come out and help, this is pretty good. When we need a catcher, we'll let you know. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So, our MVP for episode 14 is. Can I get a drum roll? Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Patrick Marlowe of the San Jose Sharks, formerly of the Toronto Maple Leafs. As he moves into sole possession of the NHL games played record, passing Gordie Howe, who had 1,767. So Patrick Marlowe for being the number one leader record holder in NHL games played. You are our MVP for the week. I guess you never really think that these, these long-term uh, records are going to be broken. And then somebody like Patty Marlowe comes and does this a lot of games. Patrick Marlowe has more career games than the following NHL franchises, the Nashville <laughs> Predators, the Atlanta Thrashers, or sorry, Atlanta Thrashers slash new Winnipeg Jets, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Minnesota Wild, and the Vegas Golden Knights. He's got more career Obviously. games than those than those teams. Uh, that was crazy when I saw that because this man is he's played for a long time and he's been pretty solid his entire career. Yeah. So the the real craziest part of this, I think is that Gordie Howe actually didn't play his entire career in the NHL. There was a, a period where he played um, 
think it was the WHL. WHL, yep. Yeah. And he played four or five years in that league, like full years. So he could have been a lot higher. There's a reason that he's Mr. Hockey. And it could have been a much more difficult record to beat. Again, I brought up this, uh, Gordy Howe, in one of the segments before. Like, for you to be able to play with your kids is unbelievable. It's just totally like unbelievable. Kids, plural. Yeah, kids. Not just like the yeah. oldest one. Yeah. No, both. Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I think that's why his um, you know, number is what it is. How many years was he in that uh, WHL, Peter? Like four or five, but don't challenge me on that shit because I don't know. I don't know. I'm Ch- challenge <laughs> I'm not setting you up. I'm, I'm, I just I had no idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just had no There was idea. quite the WHL teams. You had the Jets in there as well. I mean. WHA. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Should have been on a little earlier. You would have been able to get Peter and me on a, on a yeah, challenge. Fuckers. We both said WHL. So a couple other things about Marlowe. So he debuted October 1st, 1997. At that time, the Red Wings were the Stanley Cup champions. The first iPhone was still 10 years away. The first Harry Potter book was just published. Beanie Babies were at their peak. And Austin Matthews was two weeks old. (laughs) (laughs) So good on on Marlo for for being the most amount of games ever. That's... That's great. He played six years in the WHA. Six years. Wow. So, and how was it a full like, kind of 82 game season there? Like, what was his kind of games played if he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 70, 75, 78, 62, 76, and 58. Really didn't miss much. No, not at all. No. Until the last, that last season there. So, it could have been. Man, it would have been another. He would have been up over two thousand. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, we're gonna jump into our NBA, sticking with an MVP. I, I know we've talked about this a lot, so you know, all those of us who had chosen Embiid are gonna likely. I'm gonna make you stick with Embiid, but Kev, you said LeBron. Yeah, There's change? no chance that LeBron. Can we change? Or- you can oh. change. I'll give you a change. You're still going to lose, but I'll give you a change. So we've got Jokic is the odds-on favorite to win the MVP in the NBA. He has been solid all year. Uh, just recently, Kitchener boy Jamal Murray uh, has been injured, and he is done for the season, which puts all the weight on Jokic, which makes it even more uh, likely that he could get this, this MVP. Again, I said he is the odds-on favorite by a large margin uh, over Embiid, who's number two. And then there's some names that we hadn't talked about in Lillard and Harden. And then Giannis has been there as we've been talking about uh, for the last few weeks. So Kev, who, if you had a choice to, to take, cause now LeBron is no, there's no way LeBron's going to win. So who do you think it's going to be? Out of these that I'm like looking right in front, I would have. If you want to choose those guys, if you want to choose somebody else, choose somebody else, Ben. I don't know, man. Uh, it's, it's a toss up between Embiid and Lillard. I mean, those, those, no. Yeah, Jokic is the favorite. You could have had him. You could have had him. There's, there's 12 nope. games left. You could have had him. That's all good. I mean, it's still between <laughs> these two that I have. And uh, Embiid, I think, I think the guy's going to do well. I mean. Well, Kev, that's boring. Then we all took Embiid. <laughs> okay, then here, I'll, I'll go way off. The, I'll, I'll go somewhere else then. 
I'll, I'll go like the like the underdog, like I always do. Stephen Curry, the guy's like a video game. I agree, man. I I don't think like I don't know if he'll win it this year. He's not gonna win. And, and but he maybe he should. He has been lights out when he's been playing. Lights out. Now he is nowhere close on the odds uh, to win. I don't know. I might put like a dollar on him winning because he's he's plus twelve thousand five hundred to win. So that's a that's pretty good odds uh, when you when you bet a dollar. But it'll be a dollar wasted. <laughs> It, it very well could be, but I'm willing to waste a dollar for, yeah. for that for that potential payout. Right. That's how they get you. But I'm telling you, man, that guy is a game. Like it just he is lights out when you, you this guy's sick. It's a video game. Like I'm telling you, this guy's is unreal. How much time did Embiid miss? Because if I if I remember correct, when we were talking MVP candidates, I picked Embiid, but I qualified it that if he missed more than like two or three weeks or something, I forget what I said exactly. Yeah. That I was Jokic all the way. Not really sure. I don't think it was, it wasn't that long. Like it was like two, two to three weeks, maybe, or something like that. That's what I said. Yeah. That, so then you'd be right in there with us. <laughs> yeah, you might be right on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, I would look at our hot ta- hot take tracker, but uh, it still hasn't been updated since week six. So I don't. It's know. on my to do list. All right, I've been moving. <laughs> Goddamn. I still think Embiid's going to win. I think so too. Although Jokic may be more deserving, especially if he keeps doing what he's doing. But I think Embiid, although he's not the favorite, I think he's got the inside track personally. So, Kevin, you were talking about Steph. He has been like a video game this year a lot of times. he Over the last couple of weeks, he had a streak of 11 games of scoring at least 30 points, which is a lot. That's a lot of points. That's a long time to uh, continually have 30 points. And over 10 games, I believe it ended on Thursday or Friday. The 10 games previous to that, Steph had an NBA record, 72 three-pointers over those 10 games. That's a lot. I was thinking, just like my NHL series with you guys, you know, I don't think that there should be a three-point shot in the NBA. Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> I say that oh, three-point shot should be a two-point because there's so many of them being done, and there's so many of them dropping. I like it. I, I, like, I like the game to the fact that it's, you know, how it's played but i mean i'm tired of watching 120 point games and you know like if you drop a single basket into one point and your triple as a two point i think that would make it a hell of a lot more interesting so then why not just make everything worth one no i mean if you what's the point of if you two? want your three point then curry can do it just sit there and shoot after a half point put an extra fucking arc that's oh, jeez. Oh, hey, why don't you just get rid of the forward pass in hockey, too? <laughs> like, no, you know, like... I, it, it, if you want to go back into hockey, I would say you, you bring back that fucking red line. Did you have that two that, that two line pass? No. Two line pass was garbage. How many fucking beers have you had, man? Like you're fucking drunk. <laughs> yeah, Kev. Sometimes you really you don't show your age. You're really showing your age. Okay, Kev. So you got an issue with like the, how much how big the scoring has gotten? Yes. Okay. So the NFL started scoring more points because they started passing more. It's just an evolution of the game. 
hundred mm-hmm. percent. Well, everybody scored except for Atlanta, right? And, uh, <laughs> no, they can score in the first half. They just can't. They, oh, they just oh, can't. Sorry, can't hold sorry. The my bad. My bad. <laughs> My bad. My I'm, I'm going to drop my mic right now, guys. <laughs> you're going to make you're going to make the poor guy cry. Come on. Now. Are you going to be able to pick it up? We we have a guest on the show. You don't need me right now, right? <laughs> no, we're good. If you need to take a five minute break, here, <laughs> go, go, cry. You, you got to do it on cameras. Cry. That's the only. That's the only. Yeah. Skin. <laughs> we'll put you on mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck y'all. <laughs> Uh, Kev, I gotta disagree, man. I, I don't think you can take out the three point shot. I, I think it's too big of a, too big of a game changer the way it, way it is. And yeah, I, I agree. It, it has, you know, agree with you, Jesse. Sorry, it has changed. Just like, you know, just like football, just like hockey has without that red line. Everything has, has got to evolve, and the game's got to change. And I, I don't think you're gonna see a four point play like if like maybe if you shoot a pass half. I don't think you're ever gonna see that. But you can get a four point play. Maybe they, yeah, I mean Curry's Curry's well, done with, it with a, quite some time. with a free throw, of course. But I could see maybe in the future, especially if more and more guys are hitting from further back, I could see them maybe moving the line back for a three point shot. But I don't think that they're oh. going to completely get rid of it. Or, or potentially add four point shot as yeah, opposed to. I like what you just said in the ocean. Move the line back further. I mean, it give. I'm not saying make it an impossible shot, but make it to a point that it's not easily accessible for a lot of the players in the league. The only thing with that moving it back is you can't move it back in the corners. There's already only like two feet, so like of, of room to stand. So if you move it back, it has to be the arc has to be equal to the basket all the way around. So. I don't yeah. think you can do it that's, to like to, to go back widen, to unless you widen the court. Yeah, yeah. and then the CFL you CFL rules now, and then you lose uh, <laughs> revenue off of those uh, floor seats, right? Yeah, for sure. So, oh, I mean, if it if they do, so you're wrong. Whatever. whatever. Yeah. In, in conclusion, <laughs> your idea. Yeah, is wrong. man, it's just an idea, fuckers, <laughs> to get you guys talking. That's all. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Have, I'm yeah. just saying, you know, it's just a thought. You got to have the inside-outside play in the NBA. Otherwise, it just become a gigantic freak show of who's the tallest, biggest, strongest person in exactly. drive. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a dunk fest. Just right. a dunk yeah. fest. So some sure. smaller guys, like yeah. even though they're like six foot, like they're still considered small in the NBA, right? Can actually fucking play. Like Yeah, but they'd yeah be like a... Steph would be a nobody if there was no three-point exactly. shot. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay, so moving on. Still with the NBA, though. Uh, on last Sunday, of course, we had recorded just before the game uh, for the Raptors and the OKC Thunder. So on Sunday was the first time in NBA history that three players from Montreal were in the starting lineup. And again, that was the Raptors and the OKC Thunder. So Lou Dort from OKC, Kem Birch, and of course, Chris Boucher from the Raptors. Bonjour! We're, <laughs> we're all from Montreal and in the starting lineup. And so so created some NBA history there, which is great to see. Uh, not only Canadian, uh, but we're getting in that uh, that French aspect as well. Do you think Montreal could hold an NBA team? No. No? no. Maybe. I could see Vancouver. Do you think Vancouver Montreal. would come back before Montreal would get one? Yep. Wow. Why do, you, why do you say Vancouver, not Montreal? I don't know. Just a gut feeling. Had one. <laughs> I, I would say Montreal would get one before Vancouver. I mean, they already, they already tried one there. It didn't work. 
There's ownership. Yeah. That wasn't the city. There's a lot of call for Seattle to get a team again, which I would think a lot of that, the fans would from Vancouver would just like a lot of uh, Vancouver fans are, or a lot of Vancouver Night. residents Night. are. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, yeah, exactly. I was but they are fans of uh, Seattle Mariners. You know, the Seattle Mariners and the, the Seahawks. Shit. So it's very close, right? So, yeah, Seahawks. Yeah, for sure. So that's just my, I don't know. That's just my guess. I just think that there's more of a potential following uh, out there. That's my reasoning. You don't like it? Fuck you. I don't like it. Hot take tracker. I'm going to write this in there. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you Montreal gets a team before. Wow. Fuck. This, that, is that, like that, a, this is like an in, infinity. This, this is like 25 years yeah, down that, the road. But, yeah. but it's yeah, a the state's got to give us a, a, a team again. <laughs> Yeah, unless they grow the league, it could grow. It doesn't need to be there. There should be more Canadian teams in there since it's a Canadian fucking invented the damn sport. That's true. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have that kind of control. It's all about the money. Yeah. The bags of cash. Duffel bags. Duffel bags. bags. That's right. <laughs> to be precise. Yeah. All right, so we just talked about Ken Birch and Chris Bullshit. Oh, the Raptors. <laughs> so continue with the Raptors. They played two games this week, Wednesday and Saturday. They beat the Nets, lost to the Knicks. You'd think it'd be the other way around, but it wasn't. They are currently tied for 12th place with the Bulls. They are sitting at 25 and 35, a game and a half back of the Wizards for the last play-in spot. 12 games left. Do you think they make the play-ins? Yep. They're not making the playoffs. I think we know that they're not going to make top eight, but do they make the play-ins? Yes. No. Okay. Can you give me your reasons why? I think the Wizards want it more. I don't think the Raps are – I don't think their starting players are um, – well, they probably want to win, but I don't think the team itself wants to win this year. They know that they're not championship-bound and they're looking at a rebuilding year, and I don't think they're going to make are just a little bit of the opposite. I mean, these guys have been there before. They've won one. I mean, I think they have a you know good chance to get to get in. I'm not saying they're gonna they're gonna make the final, but at least they'll get in there to you know give some of these all other players that haven't or wasn't part of the team when they won it. So I think they have a good shot. You can see from who they've been playing already that they're management wise actively trying not to win. And I think that that's going to, I think it's going to work and they might get fined again for trying to tank, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs unless their bench players are world beaters. But they've won games without their, their key players in there. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if, I don't think they'll win consistently enough to make the playoffs, like the play in. I, should say. I say, yes. I say, yes. I don't think they will either. Pretty much exactly because of Peter's points. Like they they've been actively trying to lose, or management has. Players have been actively trying to win, especially the bench players and everything yeah. like that. Which is which is great to see, but they just don't they don't want to participate. The, the team. Yeah, I mean you're never going to see a player trying to tank. That's just not no. in their because they're competitive, man. Like every every you're there for a reason. Exactly. But they don't control the lineups, and I think it's going to be 
influenced enough by management that they're not going to make it. I think they're going to squeak in. I think they're going to squeak in. I think they're going to win the first game in the play-in to make the playoffs. And I haven't made a decision from I agree with you, Yosha. They'll make it in, but I don't know from when, like how far they're going to go. If they do make it to the play-in and maybe subsequently to the playoffs, you know, although they're not the best team, they are going to be a force, I think, just because of that championship pedigree. And it's they're going to be tough. You know, you know, Kyle Lowry is going to play his heart out. And I think all the guys, if they make it, the, the Van Vliet's, the Siakams are going to pull up their socks. And they're going to, you know, maybe they can't do it based on the whole team and the whole depth thing. But I think you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, play their absolute best. And then they're going to have a potentially give some upsets to, to some teams because obviously they're going to be underdogs. So. I always love an underdog. Yeah. I mean, if, if they get there, which I don't think they will, but if they do, then you sort of flip your mode and you go full starters, you play your yeah, best lineups. Of course. And, and, and you, yeah, exactly. And you try and you try and win the game. So you're right. If they, if they do make it, they could be, uh, it could be an upset in the making. It'd be interesting. Cause it'd be yeah. fun basketball to watch. Like these guys that have been in the playoffs and been to the championship. And as long as Lowry can stay on the fucking court, he it'll be interesting to watch the playoffs. So if they get if they get after the plans. It'll be tough, like you said, Peter, because the Washington is they're not playing obviously great, but one guy is, and that's Westbrook. He's got like 18 triple doubles in his last 23 games. It's yeah, insane. but he always tires out right before playoffs. Fair enough. Fair enough. But if he doesn't tire out until playoffs, that he can potentially block the raps, right? So it's gonna be tough no matter what for the raps to make it. And we'll see. How's the NFL looking in the offseason, Jess? The 2020 Comeback Player of the Year, Mr. Alex Smith, has retired. He was cut by uh, the Washington football team this offseason here. And it's uh, it's been quite a 16-year road for him, especially since 2018. He had that gruesome leg injury. Looked like Joe, Joe Theismann. Yeah. The new version of it, and uh, it was on the exact same day as when Joe Theismann had her. Yeah, was it really? Yeah, oh, and um, yeah, it was it's it's crazy. It's 17 surgeries, and he almost had his uh, leg amputated because of the uh, a stem infection. Wasn't that like that? That's nearly yeah. Died. Wasn't that like the, um, what that skin eating disease? Yeah, was it flesh eating disease? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, infection is what I saw. I thought he got an infection when after his first couple series. So you're saying that it was a skin eating disease, and then, huh? I think you should challenge him there, Jess. Ah, I've already it. lost so much already. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. I'm hesitant now. Do it. Uh, I'm gonna walk this one. I'm, I'm... Yeah, of course. All right, I'll challenge Ooh. you. I'll challenge oh. you. So I don't know. I'm gonna say it's a like. Was say it? it's an infection then. It's an infection. It was not flesh eating. It was a flesh eating disease. Was it? Let's Google it. All right. Anyway, so like this year, he was actually pretty good for the Washington football team, too, as well. Like he uh, went five and one as a starter and got them to the playoffs at seven and nine. He didn't get to start uh, a few of the last couple games nor the playoff because of a bone bruise that happened. Now, I also watched the first time that he came in uh, against Alex Smith. Oh, he set you up there, didn't he? <laughs> Probably. 
<laughs> oh, I'm glad I didn't fall for that. <laughs> uh, the, can I just jump yeah, in real quick? The fracture caused Smith to develop a flesh-eating disease called necrotizing fasciitis, eventually resulting in sepsis. Oh, Jesus. See, he, he, set, he was setting Kevin. someone up. <laughs> hey, he, I wouldn't have challenged that. He seemed awfully confident. <laughs> Yeah, so I saw when Alex Smith first came in, and on the first series, Mr. AD jumped on his back and tested that leg out right away. Yeah, I, felt, I remember like, that. I love that AD got a sack, but he, I was like, don't, don't hurt him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think everybody I, I held was my breath there because I was like, like, I was just, uh, he's going down. Survive. But uh, he ended up doing pretty good this year, and he had a few feelers from a bunch of teams, but they all had conditions on his leg. No word on exactly what those conditions were, but the Jags were the front runners to to try and sign him. But it was because of these conditions that he didn't want to. He chose to walk away from the game because he's got too much health is- issues and everything like that. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's the right decision. Too. Like he made a remarkable comeback, oh, of course, from a from a near death experience, and he 100 percent deserved the comeback player of the year. He had it in the bag. He didn't even have to take a snap, and he had it in the bag. Yeah, they already sure. said it at the beginning of the year that they that they were going to give it to him because he, he it was two years, all those surgeries, apparently that flesh uh, eating disease that happened. That good job, Kevin. But <laughs> like, he was going to get it no matter what. Yeah, and deservedly so. But I think it's I think it's the right decision for him to hang him up. Like that, you don't want to be fucking around with hurting that leg again. Yeah, and you're talking about the rest of your life, right? Like he yeah. wants to though. He just doesn't want to have to, these conditions. Of course, that, that competitive drive is always going to be in these guys, and you're always going to want to keep going and keep playing. But eventually, you have to look at your health, look at your family, and say, look, I got I to gotta stop this for the better of the other and kind of go from there. So, yeah, it sucks to see him go. He was, you know, he was a good player. And I always, I was, he was one of those guys that I kind of always rooted for. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't the, the guy that went, downfield with a a long bomb because i don't know if he could throw more than 30 yards but (laughs) but he's again he's a guy that you kind of root for day in and day out and especially after the injury he definitely was a a guy that i rooted for every single time he played after that injury and i was crossed my fingers every time too that he didn't get hurt again because that's that's a crazy crazy injury yeah and the sad thing is he finishes one win left from getting a hundred wins. Oh yeah, and shit! Anyway, and he he's got a, he's got a freaking uh, tie in there too. So that's but nuts. Uh, I I never rooted for him until after he left San Fran, obviously. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was uh, he was pretty good on KC with uh, Andy Reid and everything like that. They I, he finished with a winning record there as well, and and he uh, got Mahomes ready to take on being probably the best quarterback in the league. Yep, for sure. It's almost as bad as uh, Mike Madano's 1,499 games played. Well, some other person that had retired that played for Washington and the 49ers this year was uh, Jordan Reed. And it was also, he also retired because of injuries as well. Yeah, he's had a lot of Yeah, but the most concerning was the the head injuries, which were the concussions that he had. And I guess this late in the winter here, he had a brain scan from Orlando's... uh, Class City Center, and they said they recommended that he retire. 
and he apparently he took he thought long and hard about it because like he again competitor doesn't want to doesn't want to quit or retire if he can still play yep. and obviously he, he can still play but he only really had like one or two good seasons but he had a lot of injuries like josh was saying yeah super yeah. injury prone yeah if, if your doctor recommends it's time for you to retire it's time especially for you to retire. in this in the way that they don't have a lot of knowledge over these concussions and everything like that so yeah and cte is still a very unknown didn't Junior Seau pass away with that from the Chargers? Yeah, the CD, yeah, he's like yeah. he's uh... wasn't his brain put in there? So because of it, wasn't like, I'm not saying he started all this, but I mean he passed away because of that injury. He did right. I can't remember what he did. He did. I'm pretty sure his family donated his yeah. brain for CTE studies. Yeah, he. So but I he was like the one of the mostly... active players when CTE was going down. Right. Right. It's too bad that we can't uh, know more about this because, like, they're trying to do their best in the NFL, and NFL was really against these concussions and this disease to begin with. But now they're trying to rectify that, clear their image more or less. But it's it's sad that this this happens as much as that it, it does still in the NFL. It to be a long time before it doesn't happen. That's that's the sad part about it, right? Like they they can do without. You know, lots of new improvements on the helmets and stuff like that, but it doesn't even need to be an illegal hit. Guys get concussed, and it's just it just a just happens, you know. There's been which like like you said with the helmets, like the whole whole Antonio Brown thing. Like he yep. didn't want to change his helmet, even though the rules specifically said like you could use your old helmet up until this time. And I think Tom Brady switched, no problem. But he was one of those people also holding that he wanted yep. to hold on to his helmet from before then get the new one that's supposed to help with uh, concussions. That's a no brainer though. Like why wouldn't you take one that had that's recommended for you? Superstition. Yeah. Superstition and comfort. Yeah. You'd rather go over comfort to a little less where you get your, your melon rocked and then you're done. Well, in I mean, Antonio's Brown's case, he already had his melon rocked a few times. He was kind of a goof. So like, <laughs> In that same, I think it was the same year when it, he it was with the Oakland Raiders, he walked into a cryogenic uh, chamber at, with in bare feet and got frostbite on his yeah. feet. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the only one really like standing with that helmet issue. But I agree, like you want to you want to be able to see your kids grow up and not like have all these headaches and everything like that. So it makes sense just to switch it over. And I don't know why there was such a big fight for it, but he was really the only one that was really fighting that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally, like you said, Jess, it was the two guys. It was Tom and, and mostly Antonio. And I think Tom, it was just like, this is the helmet that I've wore for the last 15, 18 years, whatever it was. And he just, you know, he's just didn't want to switch it. Cause that was the helmet. You know? Yeah. It might be that he wanted to keep it in a, like, just take that helmet home and just keep it in a case or something like that. Well, and I'm sure that's what they ended up doing, especially with in Tom's sense, because he he won five fucking Super Bowls. Are they gonna are, are they gonna six Super Bowls probably with it? Are, are they gonna put a star in on two of them for the ones that they cheated in? Like, you, know, you mean an asterisk? I mean, maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, Just put a star on that helmet because that's the year I cheated down that one, and that's the year I cheated on that one. Man. Well, you know, we'll never yeah. know, Kev. We'll never know. Well, the deflate gate happened. 
Oh, damn right. And, and so, so did Spygate. And so did Spygate. But Spygate... Yeah. No, no, I mean, I, we won't know if he puts a stud asterisk oh, on yes. his helmet. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You'd have to you'd have to tweet Tom to figure. Yeah, that did you put out. a star on that helmet, bud? Because you deserve one on it. Trust me, if he responds to you, it'll be amazing response. I guarantee. It'd be one of those things. It'd be one of those things. He's a Twitter king, man. <laughs> you tell me to go Twitter fuck king. myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a response for him too. Fuck you, you goat. <laughs> I don't know if that's a chirp or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just admitted that he was the goat there, but yeah. If you really want to go into this, I can try and throw this one at you. I mean, as a goat, as the best goats can be, you talk about Jordan, you can talk about, you know, Pele for foosball, you can talk about Brady. But in my mind, as in truly the biggest goat that you will ever come across, Terry Fox. This guy ran a marathon every day on one leg. That is by far the best goat you will ever come across. That's tough to disagree with you, Kev. I mean, you know, we did, we had talked about the GOAT across all sports and we had all said that it's awfully difficult to compare. But when you do have a man that, I think it was what, for 140 some odd days straight, he ran a marathon. On one leg. On one leg. And that's, that's a hell of a feat. Maybe he's the best. I don't know. I, that's, it's super hard to compare again, that. Cross, re- yeah. cross referencing the, across league it's tough to figure that out yeah it's it's very very difficult because there's he's only running against himself versus everybody else who's playing against somebody else so it's that's a tough one do it on one leg definitely a phenomenal definitely a phenomenal athlete man absolutely it's it's like your canadian bias a bit a little bit on that i'm sure i don't disagree but i just like there's definitely most people probably consider like athletes like like the greatest actually playing like a professional sport plus usually it's like a, like a team sport because That's probably, it's, it's everyone else is an athlete that you're playing against yeah. too yeah but it, but tiger woods is in that conversation or or serena and they play by themselves serena. michael phelps yeah yeah i guess they're yeah they're still playing against competition it's like athletes more or less mm-hmm. too but yeah yeah uh sticking with a goat that might happen Patty Mahomes finally got an O-lineman that can actually block. Uh, left tackle, Orlando Brown was traded to KC for a couple of picks. The first round pick, the 31st overall in this year's draft next week. And then a third rounder and a fourth rounder this year. And then I think there's like there's speculation that there was a fifth rounder included that went to uh, Baltimore who, who Orlando Orlando Brown, Brown played for. Casey also got uh, a second round pick in this year's draft, the 58th overall pick and a six rounder. I think this is desperately what the Chiefs needed. Desperately. Agreed. Because yeah. like, like we talked about it a couple weeks ago, they, 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 they cut two of their tackles to save money. Uh, Brown is still on his rookie deal. Giving up a first is a lot. But getting a second round pick back for with him is, is pretty good as well. I heard all the hype about Orlando Brown. And then as soon as the, I forget what happened, but as soon as the draft happened, like he just dropped, like everyone did not want him. He ended up being a third round pick in the 2018 draft. And he was supposed to be a first round pick. And then he's lived up to this because he's a pro bowler. 
I, I can't remember how many years he's been a Pro Bowler, but he's been a he's been an amazing left tackle, and I think he's going to help out Casey huge because and they might get him back to the Super Bowl this year. You can never count Patrick Mahomes out. For sure, I don't mind this trade at all. I think it's pretty pretty even overall, and I think, like you said, Jess, it's just what Patty and the Casey Chiefs need. They had to get more strength up on that offensive line. And this is a great player to do with, and they got a, a potential future with him too, because he's still young. So I think this is a great, uh, great addition. Yeah. Well, like they were trying to go for, uh, uh, what was his name? That signed with San Fran. For the Trent Williams. That's what it was. Sorry. So he was like the only one that got really paid for the old line this, this year. And, um, Casey wanted him after they, they cut their two guys, but they were both injured pretty badly. And uh, they obviously couldn't afford him because of the cap space that they had because they had to cut the, the other guys, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, mm. I believe. So, like, it's it makes sense that they would trade for someone young and still on the rookie deal. Yep, for sure. Uh, other news since the draft is this week. Thursday, uh, they got a green room back here. Woo. Yeah, Cleveland, uh, Ohio is going to be holding the NFL draft, and the, there's a few players there. Not the top overall first pick that we all know they'll be there was uh, Trevor Lawrence, as he says he's not going to be there. But the other quarterbacks, they got Mac Jones from Alabama, Trey Lance from North Dakota State, and Zach Wilson by uh, from BYU. Obviously, we think Zach Wilson. Well, I think I don't know what you guys think, but I think he's Zach Wilson's going to be going to the Jets for sure. And then back to San Fran, we don't know what the fuck they're going to do because they just we have yeah, no they idea. Keep, they keep hyping everyone, and now that Mac Jones is there, it's it's so strange. Yeah, we don't know. What, like, there's been talk about Mac Jones. There's been talk about Trey Lance. There's been talk about Kyle Pitts. Like, that, just there's been just all kinds of talk. Justin Fields, right. There's just been – so who knows? And, and they pretty much, other than, like I said, Zach Wilson and uh, Trevor Lawrence, they – I mean, obviously, they have the – you know, they pick from the litter, right? They get the, the rest. So what do they do? What do they do? We've been contemplating this for a few weeks now. Um, well, I, I got know. a question for Kev here. Because your Atlanta, Haw- Atlanta Falcons <laughs> are uh, the fourth – overall pick who do you think that they're going to go for kev oh, I'm, 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 I'm thinking man <laughs> are you looking it up right now i thought you would have it right away man it's top no, top he's five pick <laughs> he's looking it up you know what i think they're gonna do pits tight end no i don't think they're gonna do that i think uh san fran's gonna go with uh justin fields and yeah atlanta Falcons are going to grab Mac Jones. Yeah. Mac Jones. So I was going to say that San Fran was going to go with Trey Lance and then Mac Jones. So we just think to... that they're going to get Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which, hey, that's not a horrible, horrible player to get. I, mean, I think Trey Lance is he better. He can sit behind. Well, fair enough. But, you know, either way, he's still a top end quarterback in this draft. And, he can sit behind Matty Ice for a season or maybe a, maybe two if they re-sign Matty Ice for a year uh, afterwards. And he can maybe learn from a quarterback that 
it's half decent. I mean, Matty Ice hasn't been horrible his career. He's puts up lots of yards. And he's been, he's been he good just, even when the Atlanta uh, Falcons I keep thinking Atlanta Hawks NBA for some reason. The Falcons. That should be like two challenges right there every time, man. You fucked it up. Nah, man. <laughs> You're too I got, slow, I got Kevin. Too slow. Right away. Gotta catch him. Uh, but I, he's been awesome. This has been the defense for the most part. He's screwed up a few things here and there, but like he's been carrying that team as, and he's been an amazing player. So, but I, th- I think, uh, I think they're going to rebuild, rebuild mode for sure. I think you're going to see this might be Julio's last season. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do you think he's going to retire? No, Jeff? just last season in Atlanta. Last season as a Falcon. Last season in Atlanta. Dude, I just got a fucking shirt with him, man. Don't do that. Because, I mean, the last time I got a shirt was a crumpler. And where the hell did he go right after I got it? No. Yes. No. I know. See, every time I get a fucking Atlanta jersey, they always leave. got to hop on her earlier, man. So you're cursed yep. is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should just switch teams, eh? Wait, wait, wait. Maybe I'm cursed because yeah. I got him both of those jerseys. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Maybe I should stop buying you jerseys. <laughs> no, you're the only one you can get me that would be Dion, and I'll be happy with that then. And that way there, I don't have to worry about it because he's already fucking gone. Retired. Yeah. Not as a Falcon. But think of the player. power you have, though. Just find someone you don't like on the team, get Josh to get you the jersey, and he'll be gone. <laughs> That's right. And then you'll be stuck with a useless jersey. Again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kev, what else is happening in the news? Well, in uh, the Canadian aspect of golf, Brooke Henderson, all-time Canadian in regards to wins with 10. She actually came back from a four-shot deficit to win at a minus 16. Special. It's a special win for her because, she, uh, as she stated, that she was born on the tenth, and the tenth win is uh, huge for her. I, I, I agree. I mean, great Canadian golfer. I mean, has beaten all expectations, not just in the LPGA but the PGA as well, in regards to most wins. Unbelievable. Keep on going, Brooke. And I, I state too that she's from Smith Falls, Ontario. So. Yep, Canadian. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, Canadians are looking good. I mean, I'd love to see, you know, Connors do something because, yeah, I think he's, he's the next Canadian in the PGA to actually do something. You were right last week, Kev. He's been tearing it up. And when he finished fourth last yeah. last week, I think uh, he's he's been really good. It's so. just time. Be nice it's just, just going to be time. Yeah, for sure. Now, TFC. uh not too much of into a foosball, but I mean, with TSC being 0-1-1 right now, it's still early. I mean, it, it's nothing that, you know, it's just two games so far, but still not having a win. I'm not too worried about that, man. It's Like you said, it's early. They're playing in Connecticut, which is completely different than playing in Toronto. I'm not too worried about it. They got a pretty decent team. I think they'll... Uh... They'll get their shit together, win some games. With uh, Arsorio, with Jonathan Arsorio gets this um, TFC the second goal, which was pretty, you know, I'm not sure if you saw it, but it was a, it was a fluky goal, but it, it got in for the, for the tie for a 2-2. Three players made their comebacks on that, on that game as well, I believe. There was um, Jonathan, who is it now, uh, Jose Al- Altador, and um, 
Ayo, uh, Ayo, Ayo, I don't know. Ayo, 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 Ayo. At least they all made their, uh, you know, their comebacks. Ayo, and, I don't know. Played. <laughs> hey, good effort, man. Good effort on those names. Some of them are ridiculous. Well, here, here comes the ridiculous names though on the UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for this one. This will be funny. UFC 61. <laughs> Another huge event. I mean, this event is huge. They have three title fights uh, on the line here for grabs, really. But the most gruesome. Yep, Blah. most gruesome. It was Hall versus um, Wademan. 17 seconds into the match, a kick. Basically, like as you said, Yosh, his leg wrapped around Buddy's leg. And then, and then, totally and then he came it. back. Oh. 17 seconds into the match, this guy was just down and out. Like, I mean, stretchered off, cast, air cast and all. I mean, it kind of reminded me of the, the Anderson Silva one. But the Absolutely. only thing that different with Anderson's was that he kicked and then came back and stepped back on that foot. And that was the most gruesome part that I can recall. But either way, man, for you to kick someone that hard to break your shatter or shatter your shin – to break your own leg. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. It was pretty crazy. I saw it and it was one of those things like I didn't see it at first. I'm like, what what the hell happened? What am I watching? And then then I saw it again. I was like, oh shit. Oh. <laughs> it was wild. It literally wrapped around the other guy's leg. Basically, his foot almost touched his shin, like the same dude's shin, just about. And then, like I said, Kevin didn't put any pressure on it because he went backwards real quick fell right over and you know buddy was just about to jump on him to, to start giving him fucking ground beats and he's like no no yeah, my yeah, leg it's yeah, fucked exactly. <laughs> like i'm done <laughs> oh it was bad yeah. it was really bad <laughs> oh my leg but in, in regards to the actual title fights i mean uh i think there was only one change and two kept i'll start off with the walter white title fight within uh, regards to the um useman with his um masvidal one thing about Usman, this guy loves to use the, like, the whole entire octagon. If you ever seen this guy fight before, he will bounce off the cage and swing Superman punches. It, it, this guy's just unreal. I mean, but lost. Uh, Usman with the uh, TKO in the second round. Just absolutely demolished with the right hand. And it, it was like, as it, um, the commentary said, night, night. Because it was done. He was just, you know, eyes roll back. It's, it's my favorite part of the UFC. I don't like tap outs. I don't like, you know, non, you know, decisions and shit. It, it, it's, it's the knockouts is what I love. And yeah, we the, had a the lot knockouts of are The knockouts are definitely like more the fan favorite for sure. But, but oh, the tap outs are pretty sick too. Like if you're getting your ass beaten and then you pull a rabbit out of your hat and make the guy tap, is, that's pretty awesome too. Yeah, I don't mind tap outs. It's the no decisions that aren't fun. You know, they're not exciting because it's, I mean, it still could be an exciting fight because it could be, you know, trading blows back and forth and thus, you know, maybe a tie or what have you, but I don't you know. You mean by unanimous decision? No, because unanimous is going to give somebody a win. So you just don't so, want to draw. No, I don't no, like drawings. No one likes that. So, and, and then a no decision based a on whatever. Somebody somebody or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Which, 
you know, I, I want to see a good fight where somebody gets their ass beat or a good fight where two guys get their ass beat and, you know, and then they still make a decision. But well, with the, the, the Masvidal though, he, uh, after, you know, the commentaries and such went, he uh, tells his kids, don't worry, daddy's okay. It just felt like a mosquito bit me and I'm fine. But you, you got more than a mosquito. I mean, that's that's what you tell them They hit your chin because you're night night. Uh, going into their straw weight title fight, yeah, straw weight. Yeah, it's it's a little lighter than the the feather weight, and you know, or sorry, it's a little stronger than the feather weight. Maybe because it's a straw. I have no idea. You're the only one that would probably know that. <laughs> yeah, you're the fighter. We're all lovers. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, yeah. Let's get to, let's get it on. The wheelie. Versus, um, nah, oh my God, here we go. The Namayunis? Namayunis. Namayunis. Now, Namayunis <laughs> took back her title, which is good, uh, because when she lost it, she was about to retire. First round KO. Unbelievable girl. Just a good old left kick to the chin. Put this uh, lady down and out. And hammer fists, just, you know, her reaction was, was mint. I mean, it's a good, uh, a good tearful for her from just about retiring to actually taking back her belt with the, uh, flyweight Shevchenko. 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 Oh my God. Andred. Andred. There we go. I'll put it that way. Shevchenko, uh, with seven takedowns. I mean, they, the first ever to actually do seven takedowns in one fight which is pretty decent. And then hammer, like, I mean, elbow fists right to the fucking temple, basically called that fight within the second round. It's good to see. I mean, these female fighters are vicious. I mean, I, I thought cat fights were, were pretty decent, but you know, when they actually put some talent into these ladies, they are unbelievable. Shevchenko and versus Andre is a ladies fight. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought it was a men's fight. Maybe that's because the only Chevchenko I know is a male soccer player. <laughs> so. Number nine. So that that's what I've got there for you, uh, the UFC and stuff. So now we're just going to get into our penalty boxes here, guys. So, Peter, who you got? My penalty box this week has got to be Joe Thornton. And it's not because of the shenanigans he pulled against Ehlers in the Jets game last night, Saturday night. It's because... Earlier in the week, during a tribute video for Mitch and Austin to Patrick Marlowe for breaking the record for most games all time, Joe Thornton appeared in the background of the image, and he was fully in the nude. Sorry, I shouldn't say image. It was a video. As they were uh, doing their, their segment to Patrick Marlowe, their tribute, there was Joe, fully nude in the background. And Mitch and Austin turned around and noticed him there right as the video ended. If you haven't ca caught it, you should give it a watch. It's hilarious. It's obviously edited for your viewer, viewer rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it safe for work? <laughs> it's safe, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. But it, it's funny. It's funny. I'm pretty sure it was staged, but it's it's funny. So just for fun, I threw him in my penalty box this week. They did like a, a photo shoot with that, didn't they? Joe Thornton and Brent Burns did, yeah. Yes. That's what brought that video in, in regards to him kind of reenacting that picturesque kind of thing. 
So he's in your penalty box just to be more or less because he was a goofball. A goofball in the background. <laughs> he was a goof. That's right. That's right. Gosh, who's in your penalty box? All right, I got a guy in my box who's a fucking goof too this time around. Now, first off, I'm going to say that I have uh, the utmost respect for this this man as a football player and what he's done for the league over the years. But that must be Brett Favre is. I was going to say that Brett must Favre. be tough to say for you because it is, man. It is. It is as a Bears fan. But Brett Favre is uh, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion. Greatest, probably the greatest gunslinger. So he's in my box because of a tweet that he made in regards to Derek Chauvin and and George Floyd. So he tweeted and said, let me just quote this for you. So his quote is, I find it hard to believe, and I'm not defending Derek Chauvin in any way. I find it hard to believe, first of all, that he intentionally meant to kill George Floyd. To me, that's a, a crazy asinine thing to say when a man is leaning on another man's throat for nine minutes, how, how could you not think that he meant to kill him? He was obviously just found guilty. So a jury of his peers think that he was guilty and, and meant to kill him. And I'm agreeing here with Steve Smith as he blasts Brett Favre and says pretty much the same thing I said at the beginning, he has, he says, I have so much respect for you and the career you had, Hall of Fame, awards, etc. However, on this subject, yo, Mr. Farb, shut the fuck up. Respectfully, real talk. Privilege ass. So <laughs> is that Stephen yeah. A. Smith that said that? No, like Steven no, Smith. Steve Smith, yeah, the, Steve Smith, the, okay. the wide okay, receiver. Okay. Yeah. So and, and I, I can't agree more. I mean, obviously, Farb is entitled to his opinion. And but I think his opinion is fucking wrong in this case. And I like a lot of other people 100% think that when it when it came down to it, Chauvin was like, you know what, fuck you, I'm gonna kill you. Because what else could you think that is going through this man's head after nine minutes of leaning on a guy's throat, especially after he had multiple times said, I can't breathe. So to without getting too political. And, uh, you know, get into a bunch of uh, legal talk and whatnot. Favre is in my box for, for saying what I think is, a, is an asinine thing to say. And you'd think a guy with his credibility would stay out of it or at least not say that. I, I just think that's a stupid, stupid thing to say when he was just found guilty. So Brett Favre is in my box for being a jackass. Yeah, like just to touch on that, like you said, like nine minutes plus the guy was saying I can't breathe, and the su- yeah. and the bystanders were saying that as well, like get off his neck, like that's yeah, all absolutely. you had to do was get off his neck. Yeah, a hundred percent. He, Arrest he the man. was he was cuffed. Like all you had to do was yeah. put it on the on the on his back, not his neck. Yeah, hundred percent. And at that point, what is the guy going to do when he's cuffed? Like, sure, you can run, but you're not running. They had other four other cops there too. Exactly, exactly. So. There to me, there is no, there is no thought in Chauvin's mind that I better get off this guy's neck before I kill him. He thought I'm just going to stay on this guy's neck so I can kill him. That was my thought. That's my opinion on it. Shoot me if you want, but that's uh, that's the way I feel. Obviously, that's the way uh, Brad Favre feels, but I think he's wrong, and that's why he's in my penalty box. Jesse, who you got in your box this week? So we were talking about the Oakland A's winning streak. 
earlier on. And uh, during that winning streak, it was almost stopped in uh, the extra innings against uh, Minnesota Twins. So my box has Luis Ares and uh, Travis uh, Blackenhorn. Uh, Ares was the third baseman that airmailed the ball and allowed two runs to score in the bottom of the 10th for a walk-off. And uh, Travis Blackenhorn, he could not field a ball to get the guys out of the inning to get the win. So pretty much what happened was closer Alex uh, Colon retired the first two batters, no problem, walked a couple guys, and then that's when that shot up to uh, Blackenhorn at second base, and he just he failed. Like he should that should have been easy out. And then uh, Luis Arez uh, field uh, field the ball cleanly, but airmailed it right right over the first baseman. Like it was. It was pretty bad. It was Sasha's baseball. If I'm like, <laughs> oh, I would have caught that. I would have caught the ball at first. Come on. Not if Jesse uh, threw it from short. <laughs> it wasn't from short, but it was from third. <laughs> yeah, but you played short. I played third too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, these guys are my box because they could have stopped this and, or they could have got stopped the winning streak at least. And it was, it just, look crazy that they were able to manage to do that on that actually before you carry on here the uh, oakland A's have lost to the baltimore orioles to uh to end the streak at 13 the o's won 8-1 this afternoon. i told you they weren't going to do 22 so the streak yeah, is that's over what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the streak is over so with regards to the you know the baseball kind of deal my penalty box goes to uh Kodum, Kodobin the Dallas goalie against the Red Wings on, uh, I think it was April 22nd. Polanik from the blue line just puts an air ball up in the air, like, like, a, like an outfielder getting ready to, you know, get underneath to catch this, the ball. Not Kaplovin. Nuh-uh. He just watches this thing go bounce right between his legs. Polanik comes around and sees the open puck, pops it in the net. Man, oh man, oh man, goalie, you got a glove in your hand. Or even better, drop into a friggin' butterfly, bud. You know, you don't have to worry about this puck going between your legs. Yeah. Literally, all he had to do was turn his glove over and catch it like a basket catch. Yep. And it would have been, been, been it. It was just right at his gut. All he had to do was turn it over and it would have been right yep. in his hand. Fell right between yep. his pads. And like, again, he didn't know where the puck was. And Planet comes around behind him and pops it in the net. That's who's. Uh, that's who I got my penalty box there. So you got a goalie in your box because he can't play baseball. That's right. <laughs> Graham, who do you got in your box? I'm gonna got to go with the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're on the current eight game losing streak, facing uh, Tampa tonight. You know they traded away their captain, traded away one of their top D men. Uh, yeah, they have some injuries, but. Um, yeah, they're just, they went all in two years ago. You know, they swept Tampa, but they, uh, ever since then, they haven't, you know, yeah, they beat the Leafs last year, but again, like they went all in. They're paying for it now. I think Tortorella is a terrible coach, always has been. That 2004 team that won the, when he won the cup was a stacked team. So, you know, saying a coach oh, is a Stanley Cup winning coach, and it was, what, 17 years ago? Yeah, that's not. Not anything to brag about. So I think uh, I think the Blue Jackets in general, the organization, the coach, most of the players, 
um, yeah, they all deserve to be, uh, you know, take uh, two minutes in the penalty box. Uh, I put I put line A as the problem in that team. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I was going to say, that's Torts is Kevin's boy. <laughs> For sure. So, Graham, do you think that line A or Torts will last longer on that team? Line A's deal is up at the end of the year, I'm pretty sure. And But so is Torts. I believe that they need a new coach. Um, I think they went, they kind of traded a lot for, um, for Line A. So it was a big deal for trading a second, third overall pick um, for cancer. Yeah, for I agree. Other. But yeah, I think, uh, I think, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I don't feel like Line A would want to stay in Columbus if Tortorella is there. But I also don't think that the players want Tortorella there. So wherever Line A goes, he's not going to help any of those teams or or, or that team because I'm telling you, he's like a Taylor Hall. He's just that cancer in the room that no one wants to sit there and listen to, and it puts the morale down on your team. I don't think Torts is the problem. Torts, Torts is by far, I think, the coach that you play my style of hockey or get the fuck out. Right, but coaches don't sell um, jerseys or, or tickets. No, players, but they bring cap, right? but, but they bring cups. <laughs> players many, do what? <laughs> if I, the coaches are sit there just as much as a. As a player, I mean, it's it's their style of hockey. It's their, it's it's the way they want that team to play. I mean, do you so think it, do as, you think it's just Toronto that that's doing so well, or is it the coach that's that's coaching them to to play that well? He's yeah, but they also have like Austin Austin Matthews and but, Mitch Marner. Like those 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 players um, would do well on any team, right? Like they did well with Mike Babcock, who is uh, in my opinion also not not a great coach. Like they would do well on any teams. Right. So they're not going to be, I don't think the coach makes a huge difference for guys like that. It's um, it's guys like, um, you know, like the third and fourth liners and, you know, your defense that uh, really makes the coach shine on like when to put them out. And you know what I mean? Like Austin Matthews is going to, he's going to score, he's going to score 50 goals no matter what, like, you know what I mean? Like if, there wasn't a pandemic he would have scored 50 goals last year you know there's if there wasn't a shortened season this year he'd be on pace for 50 goals i don't think it has anything to do with coaching that's just how good the player is line a clearly needs to be coached better but um you know you need to let your players play as you know what their strengths are money doesn't back check he doesn't not a defensive guy. He's, he's a, guy a floater. He just he just does figure eights. He does figure eights and waiting for the puck. Either way, he doesn't fit Columbus's style. So the fact that they gave up Pierre Luc Dubois for that, yeah, yes, I know, I know. I don't know. It's, I like I said. I think Columbus is is they're all around. Like they went all in, and now they're paying for it. Dubois a bitch anyway. <laughs> My favorite part is that there was a debate between. Who's better, Line A or Matthews? And it's just, it's so funny. Like, it's Matthews without a, without a, you know, without a thought in my head. You, you put Matthews and then Line A, it's Matthews all the time. Is he getting 50 yet? Not yet. <laughs> Even if he doesn't get 50, I'd still take Matthews. If Line A got 50 and Matthews only got 20, I'd still take Matthews over Line A in a heartbeat. That's like a, just no difference between Gretzky and Lemieux. I take Lemieux in a heartbeat more than Gretzky. No, 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 no. 
Lemieux goes into the corners. Lemieux fights. It's just he's an all-around player where Gretzky, granted, the guy's points, assists, blah, blah, blah. But he was never that all-around player. So you're saying all the Gretzky did was win hockey games and stuff where Lemieux went in the corners. Yes. Right. Right. If you, if you follow <laughs> where a- Gretzky went, wherever Gretzky went, who followed him? Everybody. Right. Goals. Right. Assists, points. No, but I'm saying, but the players that <laughs> followed him, McSorley, basically went everywhere Gretzky went because he needed that person to sit there and protect him. Did Lemieux? No. Lemieux could fight his own fucking battles. That's that's the only difference between me, uh, Lemieux and Gretzky. Lemieux will fight his battles. Gretzky needs someone else to do it for him. I'll give you another difference. Gretzky's better and he scores more goals, more assists, and more points. <laughs> Like oh, out of the, there's like the, if you look at the top 15 uh, highest point getters in league history, like top seasons, 10 or 12 of them are fucking Gretzky challenge. Maybe not 12, but no, seriously, there's like 10 seasons of the top 15 are Gretzky, uh, top points. Guaranteed. Look it up. And who's the, who is but, the other ones? Well, there's going to be like Lemieux is in there, but I'm not saying one to 10. I'm saying, 10 of the 15 are Gretzky. Best points per year. Peter, are you looking it up? Yeah. I'm probably going to be wrong because it's probably not going to be 10, but it's it's way more than anybody else. Gretzky has like, two 200-point seasons. Lemieux has almost. He has 199. And then I think he had 180 in another season-ish. And from there, it gets dispersed a little bit. Because of cancer um, and stuff. It's it's not though. There's way more Gretzky's. It's Gretzky and Lemieux are the only two guys in the top fifteen. I'm pretty sure. But as again, where I was getting at, I mean, Line A can score fifty goals. Matthews can score twenty. I'll take Matthews. No different than then no different than Gretzky to Lemieux. Gretzky's just granted in regards to points, assists, whatever else. But I'm talking about an all around player where Lemieux will sit there and fight you. Lemieux will go into the corner. I mean, that, that's, to me, an all-around player. If you need someone to, to fight your battles, no, no, not me. Okay, I got the top 15 here. Josh, you're going to count for me every time I say Gretzky. Sounds good. I'm going to go from the bottom up. So number 15, Phil Esposito and Stevie Y. Mario Lemieux, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky. That's fucking nine, boys. <laughs> like, that's pretty fucking close for off the top of my fucking head. Was that right on points? That's on points, yeah. That's yeah, it's points. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, Gretzky had two 200-point seasons. Lemieux is third with 199. I mean, I think he's fourth, too. I'm just, again, stating that I think as an all-around player, Lemieux is the player that I would take before Gretzky. Well, I think that I would take Gretzky and you'd lose in a game. Yep. I, I would definitely take Gretzky because, Graham, you're wrong. Gretzky's got number one, 215, number two, 212, number three, 208, number four, 205. Yep. Lemieux comes in at number five at 199. Yeah, okay. I just I forgot the other two. Yep. Gretz, Gretzky's got six at 196. 
seven, one eighty three. Lemieux comes in at eight with one sixty eight. Gretzky tied him with one sixty eight. Then Gretzky's got one sixty four. Gretzky's got one sixty three. Then a few more Lemieux at one sixty one, one sixty. All right. All right. Then at eighteen, Josh, he was close. One hundred forty nine was eighteenth. He needed 152 to be 15. He was three points away from you winning that challenge. Well, nobody else won the challenge either, though, so that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> One fucking – so I should have said top 18. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and another top 18, yeah. That was pretty good, though, on the top of my head. 10 out of the 15 and to be a 9 out of the 15. Not bad. It was 9. You were close. That's so good of a day for you, Yosh. What are you talking about? It's only minus one over the day, man. It's not bad at all. <laughs> Considering some of the days I'm, I'm a had. bonus today, boys. <laughs> yeah. I got two. Oh, Kev, you're making a yeah. big comeback here. All right, Peter, update us on these these uh, points today. Okay, I'm going to try, but I'm, my memory in my old age is going a little bit. So, I think I wrote them all down. I just don't remember what Mine was against were. Graham in regards to junior to senior, which I won. Yeah, no, that's against that's and, against Jesse. Well, both of us got that. It was me and you against Jesse, yeah. yes. So, so I was a plus one and a minus one, which I think was Tati's senior versus junior win, and then Tati's contract value I lost. Oh. Kev, you were plus two, so you were in on the Tati senior, and then you won on the flesh eating mm-hmm. disease thing. Jesse, you're minus three for Tati's junior, Tati's contract value. I don't remember what else. Trevor Bauer versus uh, right Garrett Cole versus Garrett Cole. Yep. Okay, so Josh, you were Garrett Cole plus one. Yep. Then you got two minus ones for the flesh eating disease and for uh, what we just talked about the Gretzky. Yep. Nine out of the top fifteen. Yep. Should get a fucking point five for that one. <laughs> yeah, Who challenged you on that one? Graham. So but he was right? wrong too. So. I was technically right off of the Josh's challenge. No, you got to give the right no number. You have, but you have to say a number though. Okay. You can't just say I'm wrong. So. But I wanted to. <laughs> I know. Well, I say Kev's <laughs> wrong all the time and I don't get challenge points. Because so. I'm just old okay. and senile and done like, you know, kind of the old style ways, I guess. Couldn't even remember how to finish that sentence. Nope. I know. Okay. So. So that ends up, so Peter, you're even for today. Kevin, you're up two. Jesse down three, and I am minus one. And Graham, you're minus one. So what does that give us for our season stats, Peter? So season-wise, that is Peter at plus four. Kevin is crawling up to minus three. Jesse, rough day, down to minus one. Had a DeLine day. (laughs) That's the DeLine special, you (laughs) know? And Josh, you're dropping to minus three. Yep. And Graham, you're making your pre uh, your premier as minus one. So we got Not a as bad as three-way tie for last. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, DeLine, and myself. You got it. That's and a two-way tie stuff. for second last. Graham and Jesse. I'm going to get you fuckers next week. <laughs> But one one of us is above zero. Yeah, well, you haven't challenged that much. Yeah, because you won't challenge because of the fact that you're in the plus. Be honest. Bitch. 
bitch. Hey. Just waits for when I make a mis- when I read stuff. <laughs> yeah. <for sure. laughs> hey, at least he fucking challenged you. He hasn't challenged anybody in two yeah. weeks. So at least he, at least he crawled out of the fucking <laughs> hole and challenged somebody. <laughs> I'm just sitting on my perch, yeah. looking down at you, poor bastards, fighting amongst yourselves. <laughs> Just enjoying myself. The Stop dinner it. and the beers are going to go well when I come back. Uh, yeah. Well, how was your beer today, Kev? My Royal City's uh, double, as well as the uh, Two Rivers and the MVP were absolutely phenomenal beers. No complaints. Three beers today, just during the One, show. One, two, three. All empty. Peter, how was your drinks or drink? How was your water, bro? <laughs> I'll have you know, I had more than one. I had two. And it was good. The Life in the Clouds uh, by Collective Arts Brewing. It's pretty good. Nice and strong. Feeling it a little bit. It was a good beer. Jesse, how was your drink? Stout was great. Uh, this is from Grey Matter out in Kincardin. Age of Industries, what it's called. It was. Uh, I like the stouts. I can usually drink one, though. Uh, but I mixed it with that uh, MVP. Josh, how was your drink? Uh, my beer from Hop City Brewing, Barking Squirrel, was great. Uh, I've had it many times before, and it is a tasty motherfucker. I liked it. It's only 5%, but, you know, I don't need to be Jesse all, all the time, so I enjoyed it. Like ever. You Just mean. calm down, all right? Just <laughs> calm down. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Although I do agree, uh, the Sparking Squirrel is Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really good, really good. It's, it's quite hoppy, but but it's really good. It's so yeah, for sure. So guest, Mr. Graham, tell us how your beer was. Oh, shindig as good as always. Like I said, it's a, it's a great beer. I discovered when I moved out here and uh, yeah, my three went down, uh, went down pretty good. Uh, I just want to say uh, thanks for having me guys. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully we get in some more challenges if there is a next time. And uh, you know, I can climb that leaderboard and you know, Hopefully Peter will get off his bitch seat and, you know, challenge people. So. No chance. Only when it serves my interest. <laughs> oh, yeah, or your benefit, right? Yeah. That's right. Well, Graham, you are you are winning against the guests. You are, uh, you're sitting at minus one, which is leading the line at minus three. Yeah, but that's not that saying much. So I don't, it's that's the not, line. I don't want to be proud of that. Fuck yeah. that guy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, maybe uh, maybe in a couple weeks when we potentially have our next guest on, we'll see how they do. Maybe you'll be in second place or maybe you'll be in first. Who knows? Who knows? More hockey talk. What else do we need? Fuck, we talked about hockey a lot today. All right, everyone. So I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, for everyone here at Points and Penalties, we want to say, please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay stay out out of the penalty penalty box. box.